Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of Jamming with Jason. All right, everybody. Well, for those of you that are longtime listeners, you will remember my guest today. So back in September of 2022, I talked with uh, Sarah Kalmeta, and we talked about mind, body, and spirit, who you are. So if you haven't heard that episode, make sure and go back to listen to that. Uh, but I'm excited. She's one of my favorite people uh, to talk to. We reconnected again on uh, social media and said, hey, it's time to come back. So here we go. So sit back, pop in your headphones, relax, listen to this episode. And then when you finish, make sure that you share it with your friends and your family. And with that, we're going to roll that episode now. You are jamming with Jason Mefford where you hear inspiring interviews with some amazing people. Some are famous, some may seem ordinary, and they are all doing extraordinary things to positively change the world. Sometimes it's just you and me having an intimate and authentic conversation about how you can change the world around you and rewrite the story of your life by being more authentic, accepting and loving yourself more, and spreading love to others. Since really, all you need is love. And what the world needs now is love, sweet love. We discuss all aspects of self-improvement, growth, and so much more. Great content, insightful advice that's practical and helpful to anyone that listens. You're always eager to come back for more and share with your friends and family since you learn something in every episode. So sit back and enjoy the easy listening while you feel seen and heard in this informative, authentic, and entertaining podcast. Now, let's roll that beautiful podcast footage. Good morning. Thank you, Jason. Good morning, Sarah. <laughs> you have such a beautiful smile. It's like, I mean, it's just when I see your smile, I just want to smile, right? I love which, is, it. which is great. So, well, it's great to have you back. I know it's, uh, I mean, on and off the air, we have some pretty intellectually stimulating discussions. So I love having you here. And, you know, I know before we hit record, there were a lot of different things that we talked about. Ooh, this, ooh, that, ooh, this. So we'll see where it goes, right? Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, welcome back. And and I know, um, you know, like I said, we, I kind of took a few notes, but again, we'll just see where the conversation goes. But I was curious, 
because I know before uh, before we hit record, you said your your word for the year is bright. Yes. And I know, you know, some people, you know, that are listening, you might not have heard of that, but a lot of people will kind of pick a word that kind of represents something, something they're working on um, for the year. So maybe, because I know that's maybe a concept some people haven't heard of before. So maybe just kind of explain that and explain why is your word bright? Because again, that's one of the words that it's like, I love the word, but it's not necessarily a word that maybe a lot of people would think of for their word of the year. Absolutely. No, great question. And thank you for that. Um, You know, I started choosing a word of the year about five years ago, and it was a way to focus myself and really think about what did I want my life to look like? You know, what was it that I was trying to usher in? And so last year, my word was radiant. And it was quite interesting that a lot of people started to use this word in describing me or in commenting on my posts and introducing me to other people, not even having seen that I have used it or that I decided that this was my word. Uh, so I, I thought to myself, oh, it's, it's working, right? I'm getting the message out there and I don't even have to use words. And so this year when I sat down to really reflect um, about 2022 and what I wanted for 2023, the word bright popped into my head. And at first I was thinking, well, that's quite close to radiant. Maybe I should choose a different word. But my intuition told me to sit with it. So I sat with it. And I decided to have not only a word for the year, but an intention that's tied to the word. So the word is bright and my intention is space. And when I write that out, I actually put a space between each letter and they're all in capitals. For me, anyone who knows me or follows me, I'm an absolute space geek. Like if NASA came and knocked on my door right now, I'd be like, sorry, Jason, podcast is over. I got to go. <laughs> I got to go. They want me to be an astronaut. Yeah, you know, I'm, SpaceX, I'm, I'm out of here. You know, I'm out of exactly. here. Exactly. I broadcast that every time just, you know, because I know they're listening. Well, put it out there. Put it out there. You never exactly. know, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, aside from that too, we need space to integrate. When we learn new things, when we go through change, when we start something new, oftentimes it's like drinking from a fire hose and we can't actually embody those results or feel like there's progress without that space to slow down and feel, Hey, yeah, this is working. This is good. Take that deep breath. Right. And so the word bright for me, you know, when I think of radiant, I think of the sun and I think of a lot of like energy output and it's just, it's burning bright. It's this radiance, you know, like that you see those images where there's like a glow around people. And that's wonderful. Now with the word bright, it's this inner illumination. So that can still take place, but I don't have to put the energy out. I can just simply be bright. And if you think about the moon, the moon is not always bright. And in fact, its light is a reflection of the sun right? And we just happen to see it and we go through these phases and we see different stages of the moon. So that made me feel good because I thought, you know what, as I incorporate more space and I get more comfortable doing less, working smarter, being more aligned and intentional with my actions, I may not always emit energy, but I don't have to. I can still be bright without putting out all the time and I can receive and still be bright. And so how can I in my life have the space when I need to rest more, 
still be bright? You know, what are the resources around me that I can reflect, that I can showcase? Um, and bright has also the connotation of, you know, the, the intelligence. How can I use my own intelligence, inner guidance to make decisions? Uh, and so that's where I settled on the word for bright this year. And um, I have to say a month in, it's been fantastic. It's been a real shift in energy. I have slowed down, gotten more comfortable with slowing down. Um, and still my speed is probably faster than many people's, but it's certainly nowhere near the, you know, breaking the sound barrier speed. That, that <laughs> Not fren frenetic, right? Operate at, right? Yeah. Um, well, and, trying and, and, to reach the speed of light, you know? Yeah, well, and, and I think, I mean, that what you just described, I mean, we could go so deep from a from a cosmic and spiritual level too. Absolutely, yeah. On that whole, whole idea too, right? Um, and maybe we will at some point, but but I love too what you said that I think is easy for everybody who's listening to realize like what happened to you last year, what you're starting to see this year too, is having that word, having an intention around it and saying things like, I am radiant, I am bright, right? And that becomes who you are being, Yes. right? Other people see that, mm -hmm. right? is it becomes, it becomes a part of you in the way that you are being, right? Yes. You see how be is in all those words, folks, right? But, but not surprising to me at all that people start using that word as well, right? Because you are, you're putting that out. People yeah. are able to see it because literally around our bodies, is an energy field absolutely that people can sense some people can see more but everyone can sense the energy around us and absolutely. so as you're radiant as you're bright people are gonna notice that just like again the way you smile <laughs> looks bright yeah. huh I wonder why. Well, we just told you why. There you go. Exactly. Well, and that was the first thing you said to me when we got on. You said your smile is so bright. And that's how we got on the topic of that being my word of the year. And, you know, for, for those of you who are listening, who are going like, oh my God, they're going off about energy. What is this about? Right. Let's get some logic on board. When we have conversations with people, why is it better when we're in person than on the phone? I mean, see, in Zoom, I can only see this much of you, right? I don't know what you're doing under there. I don't know what you're, if your leg is shaking. My hands are up here. I'm not doing anything. You know, <laughs> you know your leg might be shaking because you're nervous. You might have a tick, right? There's all these things that when I'm fully with you and I can have awareness, I sense. I can't always use words. You know, our brains don't think, oh, their head's cocked. They're, you know, they're clearly interested. Let me keep going. We just have a feeling of they like what I'm saying. I'm going to keep going down this track, Right. And even in the boardroom, we use phrases like, I could cut the tension in the room with a knife when I walked in. It was so tense. We know that even though nobody said a word and all we've done is just walked into a room. And yet still people get freaked out by this whole energy thing. And uh, we are literally just walking beings of energy. Go back to seventh grade science, my friends. We are made up of atoms, yeah. which is protons, neutrons, and electrons. And guess what? 99.99% of that is space. Our it atoms is. are 99.99% .99 space. Your intention in space. 
right? Which is exactly. which is interesting because, like you said, I, I think I'd heard the analogy of, you know, if we if we took all of the dense matter in our body and and truly compacted it to what it is, we would fit in like a teaspoon, right? And so it's you know yeah, like you said, ninety nine point nine percent of even in the atomic sphere, you know, you've got the little electrons going around the protons and neutrons but the space of that atom 99 percent of it is air or space and so it's a it's a great reminder too for us to hold the space because we're space as well right and yes. space and nasa oh my gosh see how i'm tying, all <laughs> it's together. All <laughs> I'm tying these all together but again like you said for the people that are poo-pooing about oh that energy bullshit no, it's physics, folks. It's physics, exactly. right? Albert yeah. Einstein was a pretty smart guy. You know? Yeah, e, e equals mc squared. That is every everything from a matter perspective is energy from a particle, right? Because that's that's right. the equation for energy as a particle. There's another one for energy as a wave, and everything is made up of waves and particles, right? Okay. And and so just like that, that's a great example that you said, right? Like when you walk in the room and you could cut, cut the tension with a knife, mm -hmm. that's you feeling that energy that's coming off the other people. Right. Just like when I looked at you, when you first came on, you had your smile. I could see the brightness from your smile, but I can also see the brightness from your eyes. Yeah. Right. There is, but again, I can, I sense that more than maybe some other people do, right. but whether you sense it or not, it's happening. <laughs> whether you're conscious of it or not, it's happening, right? And yeah. that's how we respond. That's often why we find ourselves in situations where we're reacting in a way that later we are not happy about or we regret and we wish we would have done something different. But unconscious behaviors were driving the show because it sensed something it didn't feel and it didn't feel safe. So the more you build your awareness around what's actually taking place, the easier it becomes to intentionally choose a response rather than knee-jerk reacting. Mm -hmm. Well, and you know, for those of you that are watching the video version of this on YouTube, you can see, you can physically see with your eyes, you can see Sarah, you can see what we're talking about. But even those of you that are only listening on audio, you can also feel it in mm -hmm. her words and the way that they come out, right? You're feeling it even if you're not seeing it. Absolutely. And that's it, why when we listen to music, right, we're moved and we experience emotions because we can sense when we hear someone singing and maybe it's another language and we've never heard the song before and all of a sudden we're crying or we're joyful because we can feel what that person is putting into the song, right? And, and vibration. I mean, we can go down that whole rabbit hole as well, right? And that's that's all part of it. And so the space is there. All we have to do is allow for it. Well, so I wanted to go a little bit to the to this idea of intention as well, mm -hmm. because I know it's it's a it's becoming a bigger and bigger deal for me as well. And I know you brought it up as as well you know, I, I'd never thought to about, you know, word versus having an intention as well, which I thought was, was really interesting, but, but let's talk a little bit about intention, you know, kind of how you think of it, why it's so important. Mm -hmm. uh, because I, again, I, I'm just going to throw numbers out of there because, you know, 50, 57.3% of statistics are made up on the floor anyway. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. That was one I just made up. <laughs> 
but you know i don't know i mean again this is just anecdotal but if i if i look around at the broader population probably less than 20 percent because again if you just go with Pareto principle 80 20 Mm-hmm. It's got to be less than 20% of the people that are actually intentional. And I would guess is probably less than 10%, maybe even down to 1% of the people who are actually intentional, meaning everybody else just kind of goes through life in a zombie state. Yeah. I sometimes use the word hypnotic trance, right? Where again, you're just kind of, you're just kind of surviving. You're just kind of there. You're just taking up space but you're not necessarily being intentional or creating. You're allowing things to, or you're reacting to things and just going along. But, but how do you kind of describe that to people and what's, what's the power in that? I mean, that's a wonderful question. I think it's very important to put our focus on that, right? The reason why I think intention is so important is because it allows us to focus our energy Without having an intention, what are you aiming at? What are you doing and why, right? The intentionality behind your actions, understanding what's the intention of this email? Am I trying to inspire someone? Am I trying to convey a message? Am I giving a directive order? Am I attempting to gather information? Am I attempting to get them to say yes, right? To persuade them that this is a good idea? Understanding what you your intention is helps you to operate from the right frame to take the necessary actions that are aligned, right? Because we've all heard the phrase, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. A lot of times we think of an intention, but we don't speak or feel the intention. We don't do the things that are in alignment with it because we're in the zombie state. We're just going along, you know, head down on the phone you know, walking into the middle of traffic, uh, following the throng, you know, like a sea of fish. And that serves its purpose, right? We we have all sorts of functions that need to take place. But when we can lift our head up and go, hey, wait a second, this is not the train that I'm supposed to be on. It's going the complete opposite direction. Now we have an opportunity to make a different choice and to go in the direction of our intention and be in alignment and actually see the result of that intention rather than waking up at the end of the train ride and going, holy crap, I just went an hour in the wrong direction. And sometimes that hour is years or decades of our life. So having an intention and constantly tuning back in, hey, am I on track with this? Is how we can refocus our energy. Without the intention, it's like going for target practice and you're shooting that bow and arrow but there's no target. So you just shoot them in 360 degrees and, you know, the energy is just expended, but you don't really feel a result from that. Well, I think it's interesting because, you know, that quote, you know, I love that quote too, right? The, the, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? And, and so it's more than just hoping, wishing, and praying, right? Because again, I guess sometimes people think of it that way, but there has to be some action yes behind the intention and i think i think a lot of times that's what people kind of lack right is it's like okay where do i want to go and 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 why do i want to get there and now i've actually got to do something about it right because if we don't then we just continue to stay in that zombie state of oh it'd be nice to lose 20 pounds (laughs) 
Oh, it'd be nice to have a different job. Oh, it would be nice to be in a different relationship. Right. And so you can, but most of us stop there. Right. Okay. And and we've actually got to, to go and do something about it. You know, I guess it's like your example with the intention on the email, right? Well, mm -hmm. I, I have an intention to send an email to help inspire people and give them hope. Great. Are you going to start typing on the keyboard <laughs> at that point? Or are you just going to stop there? Right. So there has to be some action behind the intention, I guess, too. Absolutely. And the intention helps you to be in the being, right? Because a lot of times we we have the wrong order of operations. We think do have be. When I do this thing, then I will have a, this result and then I will be successful, happy, you know, whatever word we want to put there. But when we can flip it around and we are being successful, well, then we can do the action that a successful person does so that we can have the result of the outcome that we're aiming for, right? And so it's just sometimes moving the ingredient around. If you take the word reaction, for example, I learned this from my coach, Jason Dries, and you move the letter R, instead of having at the beginning, you just move it over a couple places. Now you have the word creation, or excuse me, the letter C, you move the letter C over, right? So you reaction- swap it to first place. You swap it to first place, yes. So when you have reaction, R is first, C is, you know, fourth, I think. Don't I'm trying to spell and do math at the same time. Well, yeah, so C would be in the fourth position. I'm writing it down, so I remember. So yes. yeah, C would be in first, fourth position, but you move it to first. When you move it to first, all of a sudden, you've got creation. You just had to move the one letter. And so instead of reacting to your environment, you're creating things, you know, instead of running away from this challenge because it's scary and you're reacting to it and, you know, you, you don't know what to do or how to do something, you can instead face the challenge and you can create a solution. You can create a new opportunity for yourself. Hmm. I love that. I've never heard of it that way before, but it makes <clears throat> It makes so much sense. And it kind of goes back to what we've been talking about, right? Is it's like, are you going to be a person that just reacts or are you going to be a person who creates, right? Yeah. And so many people bitch and moan about how bad my life is. They get in this pity, pity, pity party and despair and depression and everything else because they're just reacting to or allowing life to happen to themselves as opposed right. to somebody who's actually going out there and creating something they have an intention and they actually create something from it right or Absolutely. again maybe if, if there's some situation that happens right you can choose to just react to it or you can create and and kind of um, influence what it actually is right so like like if 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 you came back to me you were mad at me for something because sometimes i do stupid <laughs> things let's say right so so you're angry at me you let me know that you're angry at me and i can't imagine doing that because i know you but um but let's say that happened right because just to have an example right well at that point i could choose to react back to you with anger mm -hmm. i could start yelling back at you or i could create something different right i could take that anger i could say you know what i love sarah she's a beautiful person 
I know that she doesn't necessarily mean or that's not her intention behind why she's doing it. Let me give back. Mm. Let me give back something else, right? Because the reason she's probably angry with me is maybe she's she's scared about something. Yeah. Right? I mean, how many times when parents yell at their kids, they're just terrified. They're just terrified. They're scared that the kid's going to get hurt. Right. And so, you know, they yell at him. Some, you know, in the old days, you get swatted on your butt, you know, like, don't play in the street, you know. <laughs> but it's it's not that the parent is mad. They're just so scared right. that it comes out as anger that way. And I think a lot of us do that, right? So are we going to react with anger? Or are we going to react or are we going to create something different from even situations like that? Yeah. I was reading something the other day and it was, the invitation was to like, if if there's someone that you don't like in your world, you know, anyone that you've had beef with, or you just, you don't like the way they do something and they really annoy you. Then it was this, uh, I forget exactly how it was phrased, but it was basically saying, well, you haven't found what you like about them yet. You haven't given them enough time to see what you have in common because guaranteed you're going to have something in common even if it's only that you're the same gender or the same nationality or you know you both play that played the same sport in high school but there will be something you have in common there will be some common ground you just haven't found it yet so can you create an opportunity where you can and so the word yet adding that to the end of your sentence like i don't know how to do that yet yet it opens the door of possibility like I don't know how to ride a motorcycle yet, but I will someday because that's one of my intentions, right? And we can use this word in a very powerful way, especially if you're thinking about, you know, a solution to a problem at work, or, you know, maybe you're going through a change. You may not know how to do it or what to do yet, but you will because you're a smart, resourceful being who's made it this far in life. And let's face it, if we've made it past like the age of five, well, (laughs) we figured a few things out. Our parents were successful in making sure we didn't murder ourselves and uh, we learned along the way, right? So understanding that even when you don't have the answer yet, there are ways that you will be able to find the answer. And because you know how to use the resources around you, you'll be able to find it. It's not if, it's just when. Well, I think it's interesting too, because another, another way that I've been thinking about intentionality recently too, is, is kind of back to ethics in Mm -hmm. general. And, and so I know you and I have kind of geeked out on some of this stuff before, but virtue ethics from the, from the Greeks, at least in my opinion, is the only true way to determine if someone's acting in an ethical manner, right? If they're, if they're being virtuous, but it's about, it's, if they're trying to live a virtuous life, but it's about the intention too, mm-hmm. because, you know, everything that we do, we're going to be judged on, of right? Course. So every, every act that we do, somebody else is going to judge us. They're going to judge us based on their beliefs, the rosy colored glasses that they have on, you know, half the world will agree with you. Half the world will disagree with you regardless of what you do. But but why why I think too intention is so important and that's why I'm starting to tell people like it's always good to have an intention. Yes. Is let's say I do something that hurts your feelings, right? Mm-hmm. I, maybe I say something that's that could be viewed as being offensive. 
Well, if my intention is to offend you, that's probably not the right thing for me to be doing, right? right? So as the actor, I should be conscious of my intention, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm always having a virtuous intention behind all of the actions that I'm doing, right? Kind of like we talked about before, but also from the person receiving, I found it, at least in my own life, when I start asking the question of, I don't think that's what they intended. So why am I taking it that way? Right? Like, yeah. I always love to tell people, Jason, you offended me. And it's like, <laughs> I didn't offend you. You chose to be offended, right? Correct. Because again, it was not my intention to offend you. So maybe you should ask the question, why does that offend me? Right. Because, yes. and, and also you should give me the benefit of the doubt to know, Jason, you're a kind, loving person. I know you, I know it wouldn't be your intention to hurt me or offend me. So, right. you know, give other people a little bit of a break, yeah. I think too, and, and try to understand what their intention is as well. It helps us get along so much better as humans as well. Absolutely. I think that, you know, asking that question why am I offended by this helps you to self-reflect and gain awareness. Um, again, it's about safety. Maybe it offends you because you don't feel safe in that response. Maybe that type of expression was frowned upon in your upbringing. And so it doesn't feel safe. And so you're having this bodily reaction. Um, but curiosity is the balm for all conflict. Because as soon as you can switch it from hey, they're doing this thing to me, right? Which is a finger poking exercise. And we all know how that goes. It, it becomes this, you know, inquiry where you can then put down the assumption, right? Because when we assume we make an ass of you and me, it's a great little math equation to use with your kids and your teams. So we remove assumption and we stop creating stories in our head, the fabrication. Nature abhors a vacuum. So when there's empty space, we're going to fill it. Our brains are going to fill it. If you read us, if you read a sentence and there's um, the letters are all backwards, our brain sorts them back out, right? It's amazing what happens. But then this curiosity, being able to ask the question, hey, I'm not sure that was their intention. Let me go find out, allows you to then have a much more constructive interaction. And it also helps you to challenge your mental models of the world, because at the end of the day, how we are being and how we are acting is based on our mental model, which a lot of the times are assumed and we haven't actually checked in on, hey, is this really how the world works or did I decide this when I was eight years old and now this is how I've operated most of my life? And so asking those questions helps you to reflect and choose just like you would your clothing, what feels good? What would you rather be doing? right? doesn't matter that you've done this for the last 40 years. How would you rather see the world? I just came across this word um, yesterday because I had asked people what their intention for this year would be. And it got reactivated somehow. I posted on January 11th and someone must have seen it and commented. Now all of a sudden it's back in the you know mm -hmm. algorithm and people are talking. And someone put the word pronoia. And I was like, oh, I've never heard this word. I didn't you know bother to Google. I wanted to see what she said. And she said, it's the opposite of paranoia. When you have paranoia, you think the world is out to get you. When you have paranoia, I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly, it's when you believe the world is conspiring in your favor. 
I don't know about you, but I would much rather have that view and mental model of the world. Yeah, than the other. Well, and I think that's interesting, the challenging of the mental models, because I know, you know, you're Sarah the pivoter, right? And and I think a lot of times, you know, I know I know for myself as well that sometimes we're afraid to make changes, sometimes we're afraid to pivot. Mm-hmm. Because we're so indoctrinated into some of these mental models that we have that we're afraid, afraid to make the change, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, just like you said, the pronoia versus paranoia, which I got to look up the spelling of that because I love that too. <laughs> um, you know, because, because a lot of times we feel like we're supposed to go one way, mm-hmm. right? But everything logically tells us no. Everything in the mental models and structures tell us no, right? How, how do you kind of help, help your clients kind of work through this? Or how do, how do we kind of deal with some of this? Because again, it's, I think that ends up holding people back a lot of times. And I know even for myself, I mean, literally sometimes it will be years Mm-hmm. right where and I'm trying to I'm getting faster at it right <laughs> yeah. I'm getting faster at it but to where there's a lot of times we have these mental models that are just holding us back because we feel like we can't do it or you know that's just not what you do right, right. well instead of looking at what you do looking at who you can be right we we often go into the the paranoia, the the what if, and all the things that could go wrong, switch it around. What are all the things that could go right? So there's an improv technique in theater that's used. It's called yes and. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I subscribe to in my life. And in the last two months, I have been saying yes and. If I catch myself using the word but, I stop, go back, I say the word and, or I delete the word and I start saying and. Because when you use the word, but it negates the first part of your sentence. I really like you, Jason, but <laughs> are you going to, are you going to listen to anything that I, are you going to pay attention to the fact I said, I like you? No. no, you're just going to focus on the second part of the statement. So when I say, I really like you, Jason, and I think it'd be awesome if you did this. Now, all of a sudden that same feedback, you're going to go, yeah, that sounds like a great idea rather than becoming defensive and having to prove that you're right. Because that's what happens, right? We always want to defend our position because my coach um, on this mastermind I'm in um, on Monday, Nicole, Shri Hesse, she's just gotten married. She was talking about, you know, being right creates safety. A lot of times when we can prove ourselves right with something, we confirm the mental model that we have. And so therefore it's safe. I proved this right. I know it to be true. I'm safe. I know how to operate in this environment. So how can you instead prove the new mental model right? Yes, and. What are the ways that you can prove the new mental model right? Because as soon as you accept with logic on board, the new mental model, change is like that. And she likes to say this, and I do too. Change doesn't take time. It takes intention. So if your intention is to be different, to live life differently, Once you choose a different mental model, it's that easy. And I'm going to take us way back 
when we were learning to use the toilet, when we were becoming potty trained. Some of us still have not been. (laughs) (laughs) There was a, there was this transitionary period where, you know, especially nowadays, like diapers are so absorbent, the child barely feels wet, right? So why would they change their mental model? Why should they get up from playing and go use the toilet when they could just sit there in comfort and continue to play and uninterrupted, right? It's not until the parents go, right, no more diaper for you. I'm putting underwear on you. And it is no longer comfortable for them to sit in you know, their excrement and their urination and feel wet and, oh, what's this? I don't like this. That they go, okay, wait a second. I feel a feeling. I know how I don't feel the other feeling I don't like. I got to get up and go to the toilet. But we had to show them why the new mental model was preferred in order for them to make the decision. Hey, yeah, that mental model is way better. I don't, I don't want to sit in this. So it's the same thing for us. How do we prove the mental model that we prefer correct? What's the, what are the small things that we can prove right about it? Because just like we can prove ourselves right with the world sucks and everything is out to get me, we can also prove that the world is amazing. I mean, when's the last time you were grateful for your feet walking you around all day long, keeping you active, right? When's the last time you were grateful for your hands to be able to write your own name, to be able to type on a keyboard? When's the last time you were grateful for your lungs to allow you to breathe? How many people are out there on ventilators right now who have broken hands and wrists that can't type or that live in chronic pain that are in wheelchairs? And I'm not saying compare your situation to them. I'm saying, can you have gratitude for what you do have? Because that will also start to shift your awareness into the things that are going right. And so I always, you know, I start small. We've got to make it bite-sized, snackable pieces we have to do them consistently, right? You're not going to do something if it doesn't taste good, right? The child's not going to go to the bathroom in the, in the bathroom if it doesn't feel good. As soon as they are put in underwear, it feels a lot better to go to the bathroom than it does to go where they're sitting in their current clothes. So make it tasteful or like tasty, I should say, and not too much of a mouthful. Because we all know what happens if we take a really big bite, right? We might choke on our food or maybe we don't even taste it because there's too much happening. When we take those small bites and we can really savor it, we go, mmm, this is the best brownie I've ever had in my life. This is the best hamburger. It's a much more enjoyable experience when we release dopamine. So our brain goes, hey, I want to do that again. And dopamine is responsible for your focus, your motivation, and your drive. So when you combine that bit of science with the intention, then it can be very easy to change your mental model. Well, I think it's, it's, it's always interesting how a lot of times our conversations kind of come full circle too, right? Because earlier we were talking about people being in zombie states, Mm -hmm. right? So it's, it's the effect of, you know, like sitting in one of those absorbent diapers Yeah. And hey, you know, uh, you know, it's it's comfortable to be right. It's comfortable to just be in the routines all the time. It's it's comfortable never to challenge mental models, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why so many of us just kind of sit there and sit there and sit there, right? Right. But like you said, it's easy okay. enough to start proving the new mental models if we just play with it, just try it a little bit. Yeah. Or Uh, again, a lot of times people won't change until they get put in a place of pain or discomfort. 
right. which is like you're talking about with the with the potty training is it's like nope now you're gonna wear <laughs> big boy or big girl panties and if you you know choose to not go to the toilet you're going to be sitting in your filth literally right right and sometimes for us as adults it it takes us sitting in our filth for a little while before we're willing to or the the uncomfortableness is enough that we decide that we want something else how much better if we don't have to do that right, right. and if we take some of these these little things because mental models and structures in general the older i get <laughs> the more we realize how much we are lied to mm-hmm. in society right Absolutely. and that that so many of the social constructs, so many of the mental models or structures that we live under are put in place as a way to control us and keep us in a particular area. And it's not necessarily what we want or who we want to be, right? And like you said, you know, what if we could just be happy, right? And what if being happy meant going against some of those mental models? right? If you need to go against the mental model to be happy, then go against the mental model and see what you feel like, right? Take the, take the little bite of the brownies, test it out, see how you feel. Life is just a big science experiment. There are models in medicine now that we didn't have 50 years ago, but those, those models of medicine 50 years ago were the best at the time. And then we got new data, new information. And all of a sudden, what was great before, like bloodletting, is no longer practiced because it was realized that this is not a good practice. There are other benefits. Wearing gloves, a sanitized environment, right? This was not part of the practice before. It is now. And we know very quickly if we go back to that other model, it, it's not going to work very well for us. And so it's part of evolution. It's part of growth. It happens generationally. I mean, look at, I'm going to use an aviation example because I work in aviation. In the seventies, it was like the glory days of aviation, right? Pan Am and all this stuff. And at that time you would fly with at least three pilots in the cockpit and a flying engineer. And they would always talk about, man, it will never, we'll always fly this way. No way they wouldn't have a flying engineer on board. You don't often have a flying engineer on board. And we have two pilots in the cockpit, unless we're on a long haul flight. And then there's, you know, crew rest and all these other things we don't need to get into. But that has changed. And now the the mental model is, why would I have three pilots in there just in case, just because when the crew duty rest requirements are this, and I know this can operate like this. And we're going to get new information and more technology advances, and it's going to continue to evolve. And so we need to just be honest with ourselves and allowing ourselves. I love that you said that because a lot of times we're just not giving ourselves permission because we're afraid of what's going to happen next, who's going to reject us, who might abandon us, who we, who we might abandon or reject if we choose this new mental model, because guess what? Your life will change. When you change your mental model and you go through these changes, natural, you're going to start to have a different friendship group, a different social group, different community, right? If you are starting to take fitness and health seriously, 
you're no longer going to hang out with the people that eat potato chips and soda pop and pizza and just watch TV all day and don't want to be active. That will no longer be aligned. doesn't mean that they're bad people. It doesn't mean that you can't have a friendship with them. It just means that you won't see them to the same degree you do now. So once you can accept that, right, it's that surrendering to what is rather than trying to control external factors to what your mental model is. That's so tiring. Mm -hmm. It's so tiring to try to fit everything in the world around you that you can't control to try to fit this mental model that you're like squeezing onto and won't let go of. And I know that from personal experience. Like it's, it's exhausting. Me too, me too. <laughs> um, and my coach recently asked me on a call, she said, Sarah, who are you if you are not overcoming something? If you're not overcoming strife, can you be happy? You have to overcome something in order to be successful, in order to be happy. And I was like, whoa, that is a great question. Because we are taught that things are hard, that it takes work, it takes effort. Yeah, sometimes it's going to. But can you allow yourself to have periods of ease and rest and recovery? Most of us can't because we have the mental model of it takes hard work. You have to work hard for money. You know, it, you, you can't, no rest for the um, wicked, right? And so the mental model is forcing us into busyness, even when we don't need it to be. So what do we do? We go create chaos. We go create a problem. We pick a fight with our partner. But if we chose a different mental model of, yes, I can just be here. I don't have to overcome. I don't have to climb the mountain today. I'm going to rest at base camp. Then all of a sudden you can experience something very different. Mm -hmm. Well, in that space in between, like we talked about the atoms and everything else. We need the space. And I, th and I think too, that the, another thing that I'm realizing is, you know, we, we kind of made reference to it, but, but we, we do not realize the true impact that we can have in this world just by being happy, mm -hmm. just by being in a sense of well-being not doing a damn thing just sitting there at base camp smiling right and kind of radiating out that love and compassion to other people around us Absolutely. you don't have to do a damn thing nope. you don't have to say a damn thing but that has a huge impact on everybody else around you without yeah. doing anything no, nope. all you have to do is be, think about that one toss of a rock into a pond and the ripples that come out, right? And you don't have to force all of those ripples. They just occur because you're there, right? And when you can embody your results, you don't have to say, you don't have to tell people, you don't have to show them how good you are, or how great this thing is. People just naturally come to you and ask you like, hey, wow, this, what are you, what are you doing? Because you have this result and they see that it's possible. And so that makes them curious. Well, how can I do that too? You don't need to go and tell them. They just, they see it. Right. And that is the most powerful thing, right? Actions are louder than words. The intention helps to align our actions. Um, and I, and I've, I've seen it in action with other people. I felt it in action within myself 
And when those internal shifts all of a sudden lock into place and I am being that result rather than intellectualizing, intellectualizing the result, it's a very different interaction with the people around me. It's a very different level of conversation. There's no need to convince anyone, right? I'm not trying to pull them towards me. I'm just being myself and being that result. And that's inspiring them to ask the question. It's kind of like the, you can lead a horse to water. You can't make it drink. I could tell you until I'm blue in the face what's worked. But until you see the result for yourself and feel, hey, yes, there is a, a palpable change. Then you get the inspiration to ask, hey, maybe that might work for me. You know, what's something I could do? Let me take a sip of water. I'm just going to take a little sip. I don't know if I like it yet. Right. And then that's how we can be that ripple effect. And I like to, with this, I just, you know, the Skittles commercial, right? Taste the rainbow. Taste the rainbow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And when I, when I think about the ripple, I like to whisper it and I go, feel the ripple. And it just feels different when you do that. I don't know why the whisper makes it like really real and visceral. And that's what the ripple feels like. It's this kind of like secret. It's like a, it makes like this little wave go through your body. Yeah. Yeah. So I like to whisper that sometimes when I, when I feel the ripple, I'll just, I'll kind of smile to myself and whisper it. And, you know, people might think I'm crazy. Uh, I am. That's okay. <laughs> we all are. Um, we're all mad here and that's, uh, that's okay. Well, but I think it's, it's interesting because again, like you said, right. I mean, we don't have to, you know, if we're trying to help people around us, we don't have to convince them. We don't have to drag them to the water. We don't have to shove their head in the water. Right. You know, make make sure and you know flush it when you're doing that. But <laughs> but but just be who we are, and our example actually shows others around us. Then those people that are interested will ask us, you know, hey, how are you doing that? What are you doing? Right? Yeah. We can what share. <laughs> we can share. It's up to them whether they do it or not. You know, I don't I don't care whether you do it or not. It's up to you. But this is what works for me, right? But but especially as we're one of those people, right? And we're all anybody who's, you know, trying to become better, to try to better themselves in whatever way it is, right? You you should always be looking around to other people that you admire, that you respect, and trying to learn from them. Mm-hmm. But you know, again, that's just the the intentions paved the hell unless you actually do something. It's taking that little drink of water, taking that little bite of brownie, you know, doing something and actually testing it out for yourself. And it may or it may not work for you, right? I mean, not everything works for everybody, but, you know, I love that life is just a science experiment. You know, how many times did Edison have to make the light bulb before it worked? I think it was like 10,000 times. Yeah. Imagine he gave up on that because he failed and he didn't like that feeling. You know, when we go to the gym, a lot of people can relate to this because it's physical and we can kind of see results, not just feel them. But I mean, nobody likes doing a push up, not really, but we like the, the result of the push up. So we start to fall in love with that process, right? We get that dopamine release as we're doing the push ups because we know what it leads to. And we're willing to do the, that work, we're willing to put in that effort in order to have that result. So we are being the person that goes to the gym consistently so that we can do the push-ups and have the result that we want, right? Because you've made that choice. Who do I need to be in order to have this result? I need to be the person that goes to the gym consistently. 
It's the same thing with anything in your life. What kind of person do you need to become in order to have that result, in order to be able to do those things? And when you can start looking at it from that frame, then it becomes a lot easier to make decisions that are aligned with what you actually want. But sometimes we say we want things and we don't actually want those things or it's in conflict with another goal, right? So making sure, you know, putting all the puzzle pieces out on the table, why are you saying you want this, but then doing this other thing? Do you have goals in conflict or is it because of a fear, right? Of, of what others might say. And so what is that about, you know, and really digging into that and being okay to say, you know what? I don't want that goal anymore, right? The goals that you had when you were in your twenties are very different than when you're later in life in your forties and fifties. If you're a competitive athlete, a lot of times that competitive edge is hard to let go of. But once you realize like, hey, I don't need to win every single round of this workout at the gym. I'm here to maintain my health. I'm here to feel good. And yes, I'd love to improve my numbers or improve my strength, but I don't have to be, I'm not willing to break my body and to do all these things in order to be number one at the end, right? That goal shifts. So can you examine your goals and put the ones that are no longer in alignment up on the shelf? They don't, you know, maybe even just get rid of them. But for now, if you're not sure whether you want it or not, just put it up there. Allow the space for you to see if there's a different goal that might come in. Well, and, and one thing that I've noticed too is, you know, like you said, sometimes we say we want something, but then it just never happens. Right. And we keep saying that we want it, but then it never happens. So we keep saying that we want it and then it never happens. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and when we do that, or at least I, I find myself often when that happens that I'll, I'll start beating myself up. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you say you want this, but look, you big loser, you know, you're not getting it. Right. <laughs> right. But like you said, what if we stop? Because what I've noticed uh, especially in the last few months with, with, a, with a couple of different things is, yeah, I've said that I want this, but it's not really aligned with who I am. And so subconsciously, right. Yep. Subconsciously, because of my values, it's not going to happen. Right. You're not finally, willing to do those things. Tom. Yeah. And, and finally, when I, well, because it's not what I really want. Exactly. Right. And so I think that's, that's too where, you know, if if something's not making you happy, if following a specific social construct isn't making you happy, or you just can't get yourself to do it, right? That was my case. It was kind of a social construct thing, like, yeah, 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 I'm gonna do whatever, right? That's expected of me. Yep. But you know, six months a year, I keep saying I'm gonna do this. Well, it's because I don't believe in the underlying social construct. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to do it, right? It's the rebel in me that knows, Jason, that's not for you. You're not supposed to be doing that. And when we can finally kind of wake up and be real with ourselves, be honest with ourselves, it's okay, right? Mm-hmm. I don't have to follow that social construct anyway. Exactly. Even if 80 or 90% of the people in the world might say, oh, no, you've got to do that, Right. Uh, you don't have to, none of us have to, right? No. I mean, it's, it's the old, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you know, be a good student, go to college, graduate, get married, have babies, you know, be a, be a 
dedicated corporate employee and retire at 65. Mm -hmm. Nope. That's a social construct, right? That most of us don't want, don't want. Don't believe in, don't want to fit in. Certainly does not subscribe to that. And I can tell you, I mean, like baby boomers were those generational 40 years at a company type people. And then Gen X, some of them, maybe 20 years here, 15 years there, 10 years here, right? Gen Y, the millennial era, especially as you get towards the the end of it, very, very different. Gen Z, I mean, they have a new term. I think it's even in the dictionary now called slashy or slasher. And it's I'm an accountant slash a yoga teacher slash a consultant slash a dog walker, right? Whatever it is that you do, because the generation that's coming in now, they don't define themselves by what they do. And time is another currency that they're looking at, not just money, right? And so when's the last time you checked in with yourself? Are the things you say you want what you want, or is it what you're parents want or wanted for you? Is it what your spouse wants, what your children want, right? When's the last time you asked yourself what you want? Can you give yourself permission to hope for something, to, you know, dream about it, to articulate it, right? Sometimes we have these hopes and dreams, but we don't know how to articulate them or we're afraid to. Ah, it won't work out anyway, right? Maybe not, but maybe it will. And you don't know until you ask. I can't tell you how many things I have gotten in life, I've received in life, simply by asking. I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know if they're going to say yes. The worst they can say is no. It's not possible. But what if they said yes? Then I get to have this amazing experience, or I get to have the upgrade, or I get to have you know, the dinner reservation at this booked out restaurant because I arrived and I just asked, hey, do you have any spot? Actually... We just had a cancellation. Yes, come with us. Meanwhile, it's a three-month waiting list if I just tried to call and make a reservation. And so that's all you need to do. Get comfortable with the word no, both in saying it and in receiving it. And that is going to be how you build up your resilience and your skill set to be comfortable in the unknown. So when the changes come, when the pivots come, it's not so scary. Yeah, because if you don't ask the question, the answer is always no. Absolutely. If you ask the question, at least you get to a 50-50 probability. Mm-hmm. Right. And you have awareness. You start to learn what's the construct over here, right? You'll get more information. It's all information. It's all data points for your big life science experiment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Sarah, thank you. Uh as always, there's a lot of little breadcrumbs in here too for uh, for people. This is another one of those episodes where a lot of the things that we talked about too at a surface level, there's a much deeper meaning to it, folks, as you're listening. Um, and you could listen to this a few times and you'll get different things out of it each time. And again, part of that's because of kind of the awareness Mm-hmm. right that we were talking a little bit about through here too right is uh sometimes only certain things are brought to your awareness because that's the time you need to hear it and yes. so i'm sure that there's been something that sarah has said today that went ding hold on i needed to hear that today right so don't just intend to do it but i guess go out and do it right put some action behind it as well so sarah thank you i mean how you know 
final thoughts from you and then how people can reach out to you as well? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, final thoughts would just be for anyone who's listening to this, whether it's right after we recorded or, you know, you're listening again for the second time, where in your life have you been having some resistance and can you play with the concept of saying yes to whatever that is and just play with it at first and imagine what will happen when you say yes to this thing. And start, you know, start with the small things. What if I just said yes to that person who's asked me out on a date five times? What if I just said yes to my boss who wants to put me in this new position to help me grow, but I'm scared I don't know how to do it or if I'm good enough? What if you just said, yes, I am willing to do this and I would like your help to teach me along the way. Yes, I will go on this date with you and I'm looking forward to getting to know you, right? I invite you to bring yes and into your life. So those are my final thoughts. Um, and then if people would like to reach reach out to me and connect, uh, my handle on all social medias, you can find me at Sarah the Pivoter. And you can go to sarahkelmeta.com. That's my website. Feel free to send me a DM on the, the message platform of your choice. And uh, we can have a conversation. Yeah, thanks, Sarah. And and you know, as you as you said that too, and the yes and, uh, I'm trying to remember the Jim Carrey movie. I'm oh, the yes man. The, yeah, he could was only it, say was that. it called yes man? It wasn't called yes man, but it was like he couldn't use the word no. He couldn't right? use the word yeah. yeah he had to say I yes. Said you he had to say yes to everything, right? And and it's it really is amazing. I mean, it, it's a funny movie. It's a comedy. There were some mishaps and all this other stuff, right? I mean, that's what it's intended to be. But that is a hugely powerful concept of what if you started saying yes more often what could actually happen in your life and i'll guarantee you a lot more possibilities than you saying no all the time <laughs> life becomes amazing when you say yes i've experimented with this for the last two months and i can tell you i've had my intention and my focus and i said yes i had a consulting opportunity and my first instinct was to say no, because I wasn't sure if I could deliver. But I decided to say yes and find out if I could deliver, had the conversation, felt that I could, did the project, they paid me up front. And imagine I just ignored the email or decided to tell them, no, I can't do it because I was just too afraid. I chose to say yes and, and it had a wonderful result. And since that point, I've just been saying yes and, and figuring it out, right? It's What's that guy, Richard Branson, right? You interview for the job, you say yes, and you figure it out along the way. And that's really what life is. We figure it out along the way. So say yes. Yeah, because so many, so many stories of successful people, that's what it is. It's yes, and then they figure out how to make it work. So yep. what if you did that in your own life too? So exactly. <laughs> great, great, great episode today, Sarah. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jason. For thank you for coming on. We'll probably have to have you back too, because I just love talking to you. Absolutely. If you can put up with me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a date. We'll, we'll make sure we put it in the diary. All right. Hey, thanks. And Thank so you. everybody go out, be more intentional, um, start saying yes more. And uh, we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening. The fact that you listened to this entire episode means you got value and others will too. 
do me a favor and leave a five-star review with comments and then share with others. You can also check out all of my videos on my YouTube channel and my website, jasonmefford.com. This podcast is primarily for education and commentary and does not represent professional advice. Views and opinions expressed on this show are that of the individuals and not of their respective organizations.